provide something admirable and if it doesn't work or continue you know you still made connections you learned something that you can take and move to something else you know and for me that's the thing it's the idea of uh service Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I've noticed like with your work lately and it seems like you're and especially like, you know, you had that the the local business, um, you seem to be trying to be keeping money like in the local community mm -hmm. and you're uh you're striving to reach a bunch of different avenues that uh will lend a service in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um where I am at my point in my life, uh graduated from college, not married, no kids right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard finding a direction and one that I feel comfortable where am I uh, sub, like sort of giving in to my inner, I guess, desires or am I, you know, or could it, it's an opportunity cost. Am I uh, devoting my time that's going to be uh, effective or am I sort of wasting it and giving in to some inner desires that probably aren't beneficial to society or to me individually. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you mind if we just start and let's roll do it? Back? Yeah, let's, let's start up. Hey, this is Jimmy Thorpe. <laughs> Welcome to Breathe Upon Wigan. I was going to have a more official start, but um, Rainy here has been, been talking and I like what he's saying, so I want to try to include some of that uh, in this episode. So anyway, thank you for listening. Rainy, thanks for being here. Jim, thanks so much for having me. Um, I just wanted to say it's a pleasure being on this podcast. As we were discussing earlier, uh, I've been a real big fan of your work and your contributions uh, to, I think, society and to social media lately. You bring in a real positive light. So I just want to thank you for that, and thanks for having me. Let's start up. Thanks, dude. Appreciate that. So you were just talking about it, and this is interesting i didn't even realize i wasn't going to touch on it in the episode but you know you had an idea to go into the financial world after college and and you didn't necessarily connect with that as much as you um, had anticipated and now you're it seems like you're kind of interested in like more of a service you were just you know uh, articulating nicely about um, you know, helping people uh, through service. And that seems like an extreme dichotomy. From the financial world, you are helping people with a service, but it's almost cold and, uh, I don't know, it's different. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, entering college, uh, I didn't have a, a real clue of what, uh, you know, I wanted to do for a career. I just decided that, you know, I wanted to play basketball in college. Um, and I wanted to, to go somewhere to a liberal arts college where I could employ um, multiple perspectives. But then, ironically enough, I get to Colby Sawyer and I fall in love with the business department and specifically um, investment management. Uh, I go into some competitions there. And, you know, my thought process, I think, at that point in time, uh, especially towards the end of school, was that uh, to, to achieve secu security and uh, a sense of stability in my life that I was I needed to go into a career where it seemed like uh, you know having a monetary support would provide that for me but um, uh, the my last years at Colby Sawyer I, I, I took a anthropology class and a humanities religion class and I would say two of those really those things at the time I didn't realize it but now in retrospect 
I would say, um, shaped my direction to my present, to where I am present day. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am, I do work for uh, Sprint, and so you could say that I've, I am conformed to that capital, capitalist, and I'm still in an industry that's, um, you know, fueled by, um, oh, that's really embarrassing. He's getting, he's getting hit up right now during the episode. This is great. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, so, yeah, so something that per, let's per se would be considered more uh, shallow uh, of, of an industry. However, uh, at this point in my life, I'm figuring out and trying to find avenues into how I can be of more service to the community uh, and to myself. Um, and hopefully we'll be in an industry or uh, one day maybe be running my own business where I can do that myself and uh, inspire others to do that. Yeah, that's great. Hopefully, at some point, you can blend the two, you know, right. the two different yeah, I don't financial think, world. And, and I think that's where so often we we go with topics, right? Is to the extremes, right? And, or we think that these things are mutually exclusive, mm -hmm. and you can get into a deep, deep debate uh, about that. But uh, I'm more of an optimist and would like to think that we can uh, make those things merge. Yeah, and, there's a lot uh, more nuance. That, than just the black and white. There's a lot of gray area. Sure. For sure. Sure. Um, what were the competition, financial competitions at Colby Sawyer? What, what is that? Okay, so they actually, uh, this this club just ended, but when I was in school, uh, the Colby Sawyer, the investment uh, department, uh, would enter into the CFA challenge every year. And so the, the goal of this challenge was uh, the investment, there's an investment management class at Colby Sawyer and uh, people who wanted to participate in this challenge would, um, you know, have to go through and give a stock recommendation and then uh, a professor or the leader of the, who was going to be the leader of that challenge every year would select students to be a part of the investment team. Um, and so the way the challenge works is uh, schools from around New England, uh, Harvard, MIT, Babson, all compete against each other uh, uh, in terms of a buy, hold, or sell recommendation on a stock. Mm -hmm. Each school is analyzing uh, the same company. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I led a team of four or five students, actually, yeah, four other students, um, and we created a full-side uh, equity report on TJ, uh, or actually... Um, GDP is an oil company out of Waltham. Oh, okay. Um, so I did a lot of research into the oil industry that, that last year of uh, school. And, uh, yeah, we, we submitted the, the report uh, along with the other teams. And from there, um, they select the best reports, and those schools will then give an actual presentation. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, uh, you're invited to either Chicago or somewhere overseas. But uh, it's a great it's a great competition. And uh, the, the the student managed investment fund at Colby Sawyer was uh, also a great opportunity for me as well. Gave me exposure um, with investing and with what uh, a corporate setting would look like after school as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it seems like a nice practical project to 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 get into. Right. Nice. Um, so I also went to Colby Sawyer, yep. and uh, I want to talk about that in a little while, but let's back up a little bit. Sure. Um, so I originally knew you um, when you were in high school, and I was coaching. This is at Pembroke Academy High School. 
And I believe it was, I was coaching the girls varsity team and when you were on the on the boys varsity team. Um, and you had an incredible run of good basketball there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so growing up, I basketball was the only sport uh, I ever played. Um, I was lucky enough to play in the Granite State Raiders program, which I know you played in as well. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, uh, I played at Pembroke Academy. Um, I think in my career, we were I was 72 and 10 or something like that. Um, and we capped it off with a, a state championship my senior year. Um, but really, yeah, I, I was just lucky enough to play under a, a pro coach and, and somebody who had a lot of connections with people like yourself um, who were great basketball players and great uh, mentors in the state. Um, and I think while I'm not playing basketball anymore, uh, oftentimes I, I, I pull... Um, I would say uh, I would I pull either advice or um, reflect back on those moments with those coaches and in, in, in those times to kind of help me get th through struggles now. Sure. Um, yeah. So were there? I thought there was more than one championship. Was it after you graduated? Was there another one? I was a part of one, um, okay. but they did repeat back to back. Did they? So. Okay. So as you know, uh, Pat Welch, Dom Timbis, uh, Jordan Kafani Williams, some of those guys led that team after, after uh, the the year that um, my team won. Um, and it's actually Pat Welch who was somebody that I was a childhood, one of my childhood best friends. And I think it was through him and his father that I first got yeah. to meet you and, uh, and 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 undergo some of your your teachings and your <laughs> and your coaching. I remember a specific time at the NHTI gym, putting up shots and. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Wow, I forget a lot of this stuff. I gotta. I do have to touch base with uh, with the Welches because it's been a while and I miss them. Yeah. Um, so, like basketball was your life at that point. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's sort of where uh, my my thinking was centered. Uh, that was so. That's how I saw my ticket to quote-unquote success and to uh, uh, get somewhere where, where I did achieve stability was through basketball. And uh, while I think, you know, there was other opportunities that I might, may have missed out when I was younger, could have tried out, you know, what, whether it be this hobby or that hobby, I think staying with basketball gave me a strong sense of discipline and seeing the reward after chasing something for for so long, and, and seeing minimal results, uh, you know, day by day. Sure. So uh, so yeah, that was definitely my my mindset at that at that point. Nice. So on top of you know the summer AAU programs and and the practices and and games, were you also doing all the dribbling drills in the basement and all the extra stuff? Yeah, that's that's what was interesting is I, I often sh share the story uh, with people and it makes me feel like I'm almost trying to to brag about something. But I really was that self-disciplined kid. And I don't know if it was because I had great coaches or if it was just the environment that I was put in where I wanted to put in the time after outside of uh, the practice or outside of school where I was doing dribbling drills, uh, putting up shots in my own backyard and I mean, I definitely have to credit, you know, my parents and and the people around me for providing uh, 
the opportunities to, to do that. And eventually even, you know, me and my dad built a, a basketball court at the house that that's in Concord now. Nice. Um, so that was, that was always something that was kind of an advantage, but yeah, early on I was, I would dribble, go, go and do drills wherever I could. I remember growing up in the Salisbury green, uh, apartment complex in uh in concord and i would go even on days that it was raining i would go under the car um barriers and just dribble in there just to 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 get some drills in for the day just constantly fixated on where my skills were and and comparing those to other kids around the city and the state so you were actually thinking about other kids see i'm trying to i like to tap into this mindset thing and you mentioned that it was you know, obviously your parents and coaches encouraged you and they were great and supportive, Mm -hmm. but you also had this, this self-discipline that you said, um, you know, what was that? Can you, you know, get to that point where you can talk about kind of, what was it that was driving you? Were you thinking about other kids? I did at times think about, I don't remember where I heard this. It might've been like something as cliche as Michael Jordan saying like someone else could be practicing and you know so that was in my head a lot like I'm gonna out practice this other person what what were you thinking yeah uh, so early on it was just a pure love of the game right just I wanted to be outside playing when whenever I could you know go go and get get sweaty play outside go in shower mom gets mad because I'm right outside playing again um, <laughs> And so at first it was just that pure, genuine love of the game. And then as I got older, uh, it's it's not like that love just dissipated so quickly. But I noticed once once the competition aspect was thrown in there, that's when the the comparison started side by side. And and where do I stand? And uh, you question the the thought process in your own head if you're actually this good or not um and so that's why i think competition and benchmark does kind of give you a sense of uh sanity in in that way um and as far as my inner discipline um i think that because it it was a a genuine interest and love for me and that i wasn't like my parents weren't forcing me to go to practice or, or forcing me to go through this routine um that it was it's something i didn't really have to think about it just came naturally uh and it was still fun. You were winning games. Right, absolutely. Well, that's later on. That's high, that's high school. Right, but right, I'm right. thinking like, you know, more so at the beginning. When, yeah, elementary, when, middle school. Very much so. Yeah. Other than discipline, what kind of characteristics do you think you were building then uh, that you can carry into your life today? Right, yeah. So, I mean, um, discipline, I would say, is more so in your in your time when you're focusing on your craft on on your own and you definitely need that in a team environment but just just playing basketball uh with a team and and uh and participating in any sport really is going to shape your your camaraderie your collaborative skills um and and able to just um adapt to to situations as well which i think is is something that's understated uh, today is is being able to think on your feet and 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 take hits and adapt to that and learn that uh, progress is not just always linear that you know things move and and booms and busts and and you got to deal with the the lows uh, and and sort of humble yourself with the highs in order to have a, a more steady progress. That's really well said. What do you? Can you think of any blows that you had to take or any adversity that you faced 
this could be early on or, or high school, college, you know, something within the sport that was really challenging, difficult that you overcame? Yeah, uh, I would say, I mean, anytime, uh, anytime you, you're participating in a competition and, and you lose, you know, and especially at, at a level when, you know, you think you're, you're the best team in the state or, or you're the best around and, and you humble yourself, um, you know, I, I, I remember state championships, uh, AAU state championships back in probably uh, seventh, eighth grade, just having some tough losses out there and then really reevaluating, uh, you know, myself, my work ethic and um you know my position in the basketball world really uh and i think that to ref to reflect at yourself so deeply after participating in something that like i don't want to go too deep here but so sports in general like say if it's an alien just watching a sports game right mm -hmm. looks pretty funny that there's all these people in the stands that care about yeah, you know, it can what's... be really. I talk about how football. For me, football is really arbitrary. It's like a bunch of guys running around, kind of fighting for land, and like, and to me, it's a little arbitrary. I still watch it here and there, but it can seem, you know, pointless, trivial. Right, and that's where when I keep when I keep going back to the the competition because that's what I where I think uh, for me, it I had that transition into my thinking being like, wait, why? why do I want to dominate this other team so much? Or why do I want to, uh, you know, sell a uh, grandstand in front of this player after I score on him? And so that's where I mean the lesson in competition uh, in general you can get through sports and through participation in a, in a team activity. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that lesson can be derived out of there um, pretty easily. Definitely. There's this book, uh, great book called Grit. It's by Angela Duckworth and uh, highly recommended. But it, it speaks to the significance of like persevering through adversity. And um, it's great for parenting too. Gave a lot of tips. Um, so it's it seems like, you know, you were consciously trying to work harder, trying to earn that grit um, and uh, and kind of appreciated all that, that hard work. Um, let's... Uh, Let's move to, um, I've been, uh, I've been working out at this place called, uh, Brian's one-on-one -on -one fitness in Concord. It's been great cause I get to see a lot of younger athletes like yourself right. uh, working out there and, uh, sneaking in, <laughs> uh, but it's refreshing cause these kids are like working so hard on their sport. Um, the other side of it though, is that some of these kids, uh, and parents too, who simply, they kind of hope that they become successful, um, but they don't. They don't put in that extra work that you were talking about, earning the grit, you know, doing those dribbling drills. Um, you know, some some players, some uh, students, you know, are hoping uh, more than out there doing. Can you speak to that at all? Absolutely. I think this is a this is a good transition too, because I, I brought that book for you, uh, Outliers: The Story of Success, mm -hmm. uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, and. Uh, a lot of what he analyzes in, in that book is things like the the quote the ten thousand hours that you put mm -hmm. into a sport, and he talks about how um, you know you can the 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 first of all we have a definition of success right, but.
but the quote unquote successful people, we often think it's because they, uh, they worked this much harder. They put this many more hours in than the next person. And while hard work and, you know, is something that's definitely going to carry you to the peak, uh, it's about, it's a lot more about the situation itself. And I know you talk about, uh, abundance sometimes and finding opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, that's what, that's what the sports can help you understand and see, especially at a, at a young age is, is, um, that there are kids that are, are working harder than you and their gains may be earned. Right. But there's ways to put yourself, uh, in certain situations to leverage your own talents, right? To lean into your, to your strengths. And I think that's a lot about what uh, participating in sports and, and competition is about. Um, and so um, we do like, as you, as you uh, began, we have, um, you know, certain individuals who, who think that they, they sh they're, they're going through the motions, they're going through practice, why aren't they reaping the gains um, and sure that's one way to look at it in that sense that you know I need to put in more time more effort but also you got to be thinking about working smarter right or working more efficiently or more effectively which is something that I think is kind of uh, flies by right is mm -hmm. that we just think it's the heart the harder you work mentality yeah, more, more more exactly good point um, and one thing that a lot of kids and parents are, are shooting for in that situation is an athletic scholarship. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about that when I was, um, you know, when I pre-college um, turned out I wasn't good enough. You know, nobody was interested. Right. That was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, can you talk about your journey at all? Looking for colleges, maybe hoping for a scholarship, ending up at a Division three school we both ended up at. Absolutely. And uh, I went through a, a very similar process towards the end of high school. Uh, always, you know, up and I think up until senior year, I thought that, you know, I was going to be a D1 player. I was going to be a D2 player and had to come to grasp really, really quick uh, upon graduation that, you know, my skills were at a different level. But that was OK because, uh, you know, I think I didn't realize this at the time, but now is that I, I, I didn't, the, the competition factor was always, uh, uh, was always in there for me and wanting to play basketball, but the, the shooting alone in the backyard, the, the therapy that, I, that it brings is really, you know, what a, allowed me to want to play, and even at, at that point, my freshman year of college as well. So I think that's something that I, that I reflected on at, during that transition. Nice. So we both ended up at Colby Sawyer, both played basketball there. What was your experience like there? Uh, so as far as uh, just basketball, speed uh, and tempo of the game, and as far as working out as a unit with the team and being in a college environment, uh, time management skills, which were very poor for me coming right out of high school because, you know, you enter your student athlete, making your classes, um, you know, you have your social obligations and then, you know, you're working out two, three times a day with the, with the basketball team or whatever team that, you know, you may be associated with. Um, and so prioritizing and itemizing, uh, comes into play in your decision making. Uh, and so that's, 
that's uh, I think what was shaped at, at that point early on um, and uh, I also I mean I'm not sure if you knew I only played one year at Colby Sawyer okay so I played that year and it was after it was after that point um, everybody thinks it was because of coach Fody or it was this or that he was too hard was he too hard on you and you know he would ask me that himself but I honestly loved his his coaching style I think he's a a great coach and um and off the court an even better uh person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh so it was really more of a self-reflection for me about uh i i at the time i felt like i was boxing myself in to a personality like i was just the athlete sure and i wanted to explore some other avenues mm-hmm. but i do regret that a little bit because i had forgotten at the time that basketball was a love for me and it was something that inherently uh, brought me joy and um, you know I was putting pressure on myself to sort of grow and extend out of that which I could have managed it at the same time mm-hmm. but I didn't yep I went through a lot of similar stuff more, more in high school though you know I didn't know what the sport was going to do for me right and, and if I even needed it if I wanted it um, and when you when you do play so much of one thing you start to wonder like or, or you start to, you can feel burnt out and you also might not want to be totally defined by that one thing. Absolutely. That opportunity cost comes back into play. You know, what am I missing out on if I'm only doing this, you know? So, you know, that's good that you, uh, that you realize that. Um, it seems like college and colleges are, are really losing equity a little bit. Um, when families are like looking at the price, absolutely student loans overall value. How do you think college was different for you than it was for me? Or that might sound kind of no, mixed up, but um, did you notice any college trends that were more particular or recent when you were in school? I feel like this is something I see. I don't have much insight on to what was what was happening right when you when you were in school and what kind of social maybe upheavals or revolutions were going on. Um, but you are seeing uh, a, 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 on college campuses today. It seems like a lot of the uh, revolution uh, among change in society is beginning at these institutions or the. I would say the tipping points for these, uh, at least discussions, let's not even use change, is happening at the institution. And I'm not sure if there was uh, as much. I know that's always been the place, you know, through throughout history that these discussions happen. But I would say I think uh, while I was in school, there was probably more of those instances or tipping points Mm -hmm. um, than opposed to when you were in school. As far as other trends, uh, obviously we we have the advent of uh, you know social media and and uh, our phone extreme phone addiction, <laughs> uh, but so that's that's definitely um, a point a flexion point for us. Uh, that was that was a difference. Sure. Um, but I'd like what from your perspective, uh, be, being in college when. Maybe these things, this technology was just started. People were really starting to take advantage of it or use it to, you know, network, things like that. Um, 
how do you how do you perceive that compared to what you see in kids my at my age now well you talked about the speed on the basketball court i would say almost speed of living okay (laughs) you know like uh ability to to grasp onto information to obtain information um ability to to network and get things out like you know really fast and my mind doesn't necessarily work like that and you know looking back on my college years i feel that there was a little bit slower of a pace that i could manage effectively and i don't know if i could do it now (laughs) yeah i often sometimes i do feel like i'm that outsider in this community where i was somebody i was always like the slow adapter Mm -hmm. to the technology i was the last one to get the you know the the iphone or and even for a long time i think i got my first phone going into high school um which maybe for you that's not so that's not so weird but i think now uh for hearing that for a lot of people that's kind of weird uh and so uh i i have i've always felt like i've been a little bit technologically uh slower or uh disadvantaged because of that um and and it is it's a it's a faster with the with the information being so accessible you have to move faster and respond to things faster which is uh can be a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh but i do think it's important to conform conform to that because if if you don't i can see uh I guess it all depends on the context of of your life and your age and all that, but I do think it's important to adapt to the the trends that are uh, continuing in society and at the college campuses, especially with the pace of information. Yeah. Along with that speed, accessibility of information, um, what do you think about the value of college? I looked up the Colby Sawyer tuitions, $38,000 a year. That comes out to like 150 grand if you go four years. So this has been a big uh, dilemma for me lately uh, because many of the things I did at Colby Sawyer, the courses, the work was would be dis, would be available online. People would buy textbooks for a thousand, almost a thousand dollars for say, you know, an accounting textbook or something mm-hmm. like that, and then they would they would look up the answers online or they would get the information there. And it seems that, yeah, the, the, that's devalued the institution's, you know, price tag. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've seen in the past 10 years, it probably double. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. And it, and it makes you, uh, wonder where, where we're going in that, in that sense. Is it, are institutions going to be online educational, um, you know, disseminators moving forward? Is that is are there ethical uh, issues there? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's really been that I've been focusing on and thinking about lately, especially with f- plotting on grad school. Yep. Uh, and then compa- and even so, going into that, comparing the the value of the institution uh, overseas internationally to Mm -hmm. the institution in the u.s um just because a a lot of places are are offering uh free school so interesting um, yeah well you mentioned overseas so i was thinking about starting this project maybe so you take that hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you were going to spend on school right okay so the student and the family they look at that price tag 
instead of doing that they give that to me and then I would create a world travel plan with books with networking right with uh, some assignments maybe have them of course write some essays I mean $150,000 can go a long way so you have to start considering the op I'm kind of joking about no. you know, the little project but you consider that price tag Think of what you could do with 150000 traveling the world, meeting the people that you want to meet, reading all the books that you need to read. Um, there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. And, and that goes into uh, with curriculums at the institutions, too, because that's one thing that I've, you know, I, I, maybe not so much critical of the, the curriculum at Colby Sawyer, especially because, like, you know, you choose your you you choose your path. You choose your focus. And sure, maybe there's some some books or some things that you believe afterwards should have been included in your in your curriculum. Uh, I I do you know I I think that's an that's an issue right now is is where uh, some of these institutions are taking money from and and, and kind of controlling what's in the narrative or what's not there. Um, but that's a separate issue as well. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I should also say, I don't mean to bash Colby. We're not bashing Colby Sawyer here. I know I love Colby Sawyer as a, as a school. But um, overall institutions, you know, it's worth looking into. Um, and then the, the other side of this, though, because, you know, I have a um, six-year-old daughter who just started kindergarten. So I was looking at the effect of public schools, you know, and wondering, you know, what's the bang for the buck here? You know, is this the way to go and and it's starting a path at that early age that 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 early choice of a path can really dictate you know the future so i was really looking into this um but after reading uh and and watching a lot of jordan peterson i don't know if you've read his book yeah uh, I, I have actually yeah so one thing that i took from him was a lot of these institutions are doing some things wrong you know but what makes you think you can do better? You know, um, overall, they are going to have some mistakes, you know, but, you know, I was, I was considering like, well, maybe I could homeschool my daughter and like, you know, that is an option, but what makes me think that I could, you know, bring the same amount of value that these institutions that have been built over, you know, many years, you know, uh, trying to do so it's worth looking at both sides of the coin and, and it's funny how like that uh, that same analogy can be made for doctors or for other professionals that you have to seek to get advice from or to trust with people you know in your lives and it just goes to shit you have to trust people as skeptical as we can be about these institutions and uh certain th and you know uh certain areas of society we have to place trust in people and place trust in those institutions and of course you can do your due diligence and see how much trust you're going to put into a certain person or a certain institution but um you know i do think that uh that that's something that's noteworthy right now yeah and uh, as we were talking about earlier with sports that you know dealing with sports can help you you know work with other people trust you know look at who's across the uh, who's across the aisle and see what they bring to the table absolutely especially basketball um let's let's talk a little bit more about college basketball 
Um, I know this sounds like, you know, back when I was young, things were the way they were supposed to be, but it's not like that. But I am having a hard time loving NCAA basketball with most of the good players only staying for one year. I think it's like hurting the brand of college basketball. We were just talking about colleges being hurt their brand a little bit, but I think the brand of basketball is going down. Um, and I thought it would hurt the NBA because of the younger and experienced talent becoming a larger percentage of the, of the cast. But the NBA seems to do a lot right uh, for the players and for the viewers. So I think it's actually helping that brand. Um, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think Adam Silver has done a great job since he's stepped into power uh, with the NBA. Um, and it's definitely a difficult position and a difficult job. And I think as uh, with college basketball, like, I don't know if you've seen the G League now has a program that I believe is either getting uh, G League players involved in outside activity, like whether that be with jobs or with further education if they left school early and okay. didn't finish. Uh, so that's like another huge plus for the NBA um, right now. And so... I think the NCAA and is you know they make all their money off of one tournament, March Madness, right? Mm -hmm. And basically, them that men's tournament uh, makes the money for almost all the sports in, in in NCAA for the entire year. And I just think that they're gonna you're you're gonna see a decline in viewership and loyalty to the NCAA if we don't see. Um, players being caught and i that doesn't i don't necessarily think that has to be monetary but sure. at least something to to uh help these people through the the process of being a student athlete because i think it's kind of perceived as you're so privileged uh and some of these student athletes really sure surely are but uh you know for some of them the situations they're coming from uh, they need more assistance through it, along the way, and people are profiting, and you could almost say exploiting them. Uh, so I, I do think if the NCAA doesn't start adopt, adopting or working with the NBA, then that that it's 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 only it's not going to be as entertaining because none of the players are going to be there. They're going to seek other avenues, go yeah. to Europe first or something. Yep. And I used to enjoy like watching a player, you know, be a freshman and then a sophomore and then like watch them grow. And, you know, these players, they're not they're not doing that anymore. So you can't follow a team the same or follow certain players the same. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's another that's another aspect to it as well as the, the growth of of the athlete. And and uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, Ironic that we just had that injury with with Zion Williamson, so mm -hmm. it kind of speaks to this this conversation right now. Because a lot of times these guys with with having that talent at such a young age, imagine that that thought process. It's it's sort of a, a risk analysis of going going to the league or staying in college uh, at that time. Um, and I think there there have to be other factors weighed in besides the money but that is uh, unfortunately that is one of the main things that's being considered yeah so um i have this I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately watching basketball and like watching my nephew play basketball and stuff this idea of initiative and and the individual player 
having to take the initiative to do something. So my thinking is that a lot of, you know, what can happen on the court and this, this applies, I've been thinking about it to a lot of other things too, a lot of other sports and in business and just like fulfillment and success within life. So you, you don't have, I don't think you need to be the most skilled person on the court. Um, say, say you're running like a motion offense in basketball and everyone's touching the ball, right? It's the person who takes the initiative to go try to score that is going to be the one that builds confidence. Perhaps he makes a shot, whatever, builds confidence for the next time and he's going to do it more and more and more so it compounds. But I don't know, I've just been thinking about this, that of course you need some skill to be out there and to to do things on the court. But this idea of initiative, the one who's going to shoot, there's five of them out there. What do you think? And yeah, I really like the way how you frame that with initiative because, you know, growing up, you're, you practice your skills at home and then it comes time to test them out on the court. And one of the main things that I think any, any player probably in any sport would say or in any team sport is, you know, when do I take control? Yeah. When do I step back? And, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting because that was one of the main, my main struggles as a, as a player was when to, uh, feel the need to take over and, you know, uh, impose my force on the game yeah. or when to facilitate for, for others. And you can draw a lot of, uh, you can pull a lot of lessons out of that that can be applied elsewhere in life too, which is interesting because I never thought about it in that context. Um, and I definitely know I observed that and noticed that, especially coaching after, uh, after high school and after college as well because I did do that. Um, kids from fifth grade all the way up to 10th grade, boys and girls, uh, with the Southern New Hampshire Saints program okay. out of Derry. I was going to ask a, you if you got into coaching at all. Yep, guy by the name of Dave Constant, yep. who was I also yeah, you know Dave. Yep. So he gave me the opportunity, and that that was lovely. Well, another lovely way to to uh, you know give service to the the community, and and uh, I found uh, I think I found a lot of value in that as well, mm-hmm. and it's made me think about even later on if if teaching could be something that. Uh, I, I could be involved in, or maybe that's my calling, because it's definitely floating away, around back in the back of the head there sure. as an option. Yeah. And that that definitely, you know, let me coaching let me know that that was something I could get value from. Yeah, it's a good way to get back into it. Um, are you still around the game at all now? Or no, taking a break? really taking a break. Yeah, I've sometimes I hop in some men's league games yeah. uh, if people need a filler or something, but I've really taken a break and and. I think that it's going to be beautiful once I do return and get on like a regular schedule of playing. But right now, I'm comfortable with with taking a break. Yep, I'm do- I've been doing the same thing for a while. So um, at some point, I'll get back. But see, in it, I think we've had in- interesting paths in that regard too. Because now, I you're you've taken up the powerlifting and e- might I even say like a CrossFit type. Uh, workout or routine and you've probably been involved in that for a while now maybe even while you were a basketball player I didn't know that but uh, my mom was always a a marathon runner so part of me uh, while I was playing basketball some cross training was I would always go on runs and now I've I've 
found love in running and I, that's one of, that's mainly how I work out every day is, is usually like a three to seven mile run. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you must have taken some of that, you know, was your mom running marathons when you were younger? Yeah. How young? Oh, I'm like probably from when I was the age of three to five. Okay. And I don't know if she, she's continued to jog and run. Right. Uh, but she, I, she hasn't competed, uh, at the marathon level for a long time. Yeah. I've done one half marathon, Oh yeah. but mom's got me beat with the marathon. <laughs> it's so it's a long yeah. run. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That must've affected you from a young age. Just that, you know, getting out there and, and exercising often. Yeah. No, I think the, the, uh, the sense the dopamine rush right is that you mm-hmm. probably know more about that than i do but i think that's i feel it it's very real i get that runners runners high afterwards and and it can be very therapeutic for you nice yeah there's so many so many different ways whether it's yoga crossfit powerlifting yeah. running you know pick your poison whatever you want there's a there's something to be found in in everything you know so that's cool. I'm glad you found that. I enjoyed the read on your uh, morning yoga routine, uh, by the way. I know you have your, your elixir and focus <laughs> on your breathing. Yeah. No, because that's something that just, re- just recently I've been doing more reading into some Zen and meditation stuff. Uh, and it's, it's a path I definitely want to go down. So nice. I am looking to get some, some insight on that as well. But. Uh, I definitely got some from your posts. So. Cool, man. Is there any anything you do in the morning that helps you set off for a good day? I think the the one thing that I saw that matched with your post there was just the glass of water. Like I think that you can't you you can't state that as much as how, how much you need to hydrate, especially right in the morning. Cool. Uh, yeah. And that so that sort of changes the outlook of my day. But the other the other four or five. Uh, methods you listed on there i need to pick up as a regular routine you'll have to try them yeah cool all right i got some uh kind of quick fire questions for you to to wrap up here okay you ready sure all right all-time favorite basketball player history of the game uh pete maravich pistol pete uh i think just i I grew up watching his homework basketball videos (laughs) and um you know for some reason, I was just I was just obsessed with Pistol Pete. Oh, he was great. Did you ever watch the feature film that was like? Oh Pistol yeah, Pete? That the Pete. So that's a yeah. that was a see. That's a thing like coach a uh, camp of champions. Growing up in Concord in the basketball community, that was that was a movie that oh, definitely really? was. Oh yeah. good, because I I didn't know if it would be too old. I'm glad yeah. glad you younger bucks saw that. Um, favorite current basketball player. <clears throat> favorite is different than than best so i just want yeah yeah so i would say i like uh russell westbrook's tenacity on the court wow okay good choice he's fierce yeah nice um do you make the no look pass to the cutter or hit the three make the no look pass to the cutter figured uh what's a book that we should all read and you can't do the malcolm gladwell one that you gave me (laughs) <laughs> I would say Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Oh, I've heard of this, but I haven't read it. Yeah, cool. It's he. It's actually Sapiens, Homo uh, Deus, and 
21 Lessons for the 21st Century is the three-part series. So, Have you read all three? Yeah. yeah. And they're worth I highly recommend, worth yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, what's a band that that we should all listen to? Or a group. You can't call it like a rap group, a band, but... Uh... I'm going to have to go with Wu-Tang Clan then. Ooh, classic. Yep. <laughs> nice. I'm a big 90s rap head, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yep, I grew up on that. Thanks to my brother. Oh, really? Yeah, no, just because he's like seven years the elder, so yep. I was the young one at like eight years old listening to, you know, Biggie Smalls and Wu-Tang Clan. His tapes and CDs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was... And I, there were still cassettes that, at, that, at that time, so that's what I... I would actually... At Eastside Learning Center, this is what I would do. I would grab my Walkman. Yeah. I would take one tape from the rap from the rap cassette and put that because they would check my tapes when I went in there. Really? So I would have like a Puff Daddy or you know Biggie Smalls tape inside of a whatever you know a rock band tape and oh, sneak wow. in. Yeah, that was from a very young age. Ooh, that's slick. Okay, what's a movie or documentary that we should watch? Uh, I recently I I saw the Icarus uh, documentary and I I really uh, enjoyed that mm-hmm. so that one's kind of relevant right now um, in a in a movie that I saw recently um, well not recently but uh, if you haven't seen Interstellar I recommend you see that uh, I haven't that's uh, Matthew McConaughey um, really great movie okay yeah cool that's the show man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you done good? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for listening. To breathe Upon Waking. This is Jimmy Thorpe. The next time you wake up, don't forget to breathe.